Hornet Heaven. Can't Help Falling in Love Written by Ollie Wicken Read by Colin Mace Earth Season 2022-23 David Flynn I can tell you exactly when I fell in love with Watford. It was the 30th of August 1960. My dad took me to Vicarage Road. I was five. The season before, he watched the team win promotion to Division 3. You know, with Cliff Holton and Dennis Uphill scoring all those goals. Cliff scored 42 goals that year, plus another six in the cup. Well, Dad loved Big Cliff. And when the new season began, he reckoned I was old enough to go and watch the big fella too. So I made my debut at a home game against Brentford. It was an evening game. Mum said I shouldn't be going. It was way past my bedtime, but Dad overruled her. When we got to Bickeridge Road, there were tons of people everywhere. I'd never seen so many in my life. I remember the smell of cigarette smoke and pipe smoke coming off of everybody. Dad got a seat in the Shrodell stand, though. To be fair, I didn't really use my seat. I stood up all game, partly because I was so excited and partly so I could see the pitch. Um, what I saw was, well... I was hooked for life. The pitch was bright green. It was lit by floodlights on poles and on top of the stands. People's faces were shining and then the team ran out in their gold shirts and everyone started shouting. The noise in the stand was incredible. I put my hands over my ears. Dad gave me a hug to reassure me and it must have worked because I started shouting for the team too. The match was amazing. Big Cliff scored three, a hat-trick, on my debut. Dad was so pleased. It was what he'd wanted me to see and sharing. It was why he brought me along. But the truth is, and I didn't dare tell Dad at the time, I didn't fall in love with the big fella that night. I fell in love with someone else. You see, Big Cliff wasn't the only one who scored a hat-trick. We won 6-1, and the other three goals were scored by the left winger. His name was Freddie Bunce. There was something about Freddie Bunce that spoke to me. He played football the way I understood it as a child, running fast, beating opponents and putting the ball in the net. He was so energetic, you could see how hard he was trying. Everyone else loved him too. When he started galloping down the pitch, people shouted, Open the gates! Dad took me again on the Saturday. Big Cliff scored two, Freddie got another and we won 4-3. I thought it would be like that every week, and in my mind's eye it was. Freddie kept busting down the wing for another couple of years, and after that I fell in love with Charlie Livesey, and then Stuart Scullion. Later, there were Luther Blissett and Nigel Gibbs and Paul Robinson. I've always loved tries. I still do, even now, watching from Hornet Heaven. Hassan Kamara is a trier, and I love him almost as much as I love Freddie Bunce. So it was my dad who took my hand and took me to Vicarage Road in the first place. I've got him to thank for it. But when I got there, I couldn't help falling in love with Watford Football Club. 
I've never forgotten that night against Brentford with the tobacco smoke, the green grass and the floodlights and Freddie Bunce bursting with energy on the wing. It feels like I've been bursting with love for Watford ever since. Henry Grover. Me? Um, I'm not sure I could isolate a single moment of falling in love, old sausage. I mean, for a start, it would have been such a long time ago. Quite possibly, though, it was in 1881. I remember being absolutely thrilled when the Earl of Essex gave me permission to have a kickabout with my pals in Casterbury Park. But wait, no. You couldn't say that that was the moment I fell in love with the club because I hadn't founded the club yet. So I suppose it could have been the very first match we played as Wofford Rovers. I must admit, old thing, I wasn't expecting the occasion to be any more auspicious than a few chums getting together for a bit of sport, really. A social event as much as anything. But on the day I was amazed at the spirit that developed on the pitch. Playing together created a special kind of chemistry between us all. Charlie Peacock, Spencer Valentine, the whole team. It was a wonderful feeling. Forming a team really did deepen our friendships. But would I call it falling in love with the club? Goodness, dear me. This is a difficult question. I mean, what actually is it that we're talking about here? What is it that people fall in love with? when they fall in love with Watford. Is it an experience, an idea, a sense of how you relate to your fellow man? I'm struggling to give you an answer, I'm afraid, old poppet. Although, ah, yes, maybe I've found it, Bill, old thing. You see, football has never been my only passion. Indeed, you probably know this better than anyone, old thing. You've often found me caressing the red 1974-75 away shirt you gave me or pressing the current season's home shirt to my cheeks. So I think I could truthfully say I fell in love and fell hard the day I pulled on my first favourite Watford shirt. You know the one I mean, Bill, old boy. Back in the 1880s, halves of light blue and dark blue. It was a supreme combination, dear old Bill. The way the colours were contrasted on the collars and sleeves was a masterstroke of both concept and execution. And, uh, <laughs> oh yes, my goodness, the garment had buttons all the way down the front. A proper shirt. It was a thing of beauty. It made me feel so, so... Uh, sorry, old boy. I need a moment. So, you see, I do love this club so, so much, and many of us have different ways of connecting with it, which means there are all kinds of things that can spark our feelings. For other people, perhaps it's the stadium or a particular player, but for me, my feelings coalesce around the garment that wraps the chests and beating hearts of those who play for Watford Football Club. What gets me going 
is the shirt. Archibald Enfield I have a list of things that I like and a list of things that I do not like. Watford Football Club is on the list of things that I like, but I do not know if I love Watford Football Club. I asked Mr Johnny Orgood how to answer your question, and he said that falling in love is not really something that I do and that I should think about it in a different way. He suggested that instead of talking about my feelings, I should list some things that I have done. So here is my list. I first started watching Watford Football Club matches out of the window of my house on Wednesday the 14th of September 1898. That is exactly 124 years ago today. Since I arrived in Hornet Heaven I have watched 5,392 Watford football matches at least once. I like watching Mr Troy Deeney play football and I have watched him play in 419 matches for Watford Football Club and score 140 goals of which 77 were at Vicarage Road. That is my list. Mr Johnny Orgood said that other people may be able to deduce things from these facts but the only thing the facts tell me is that I have watched a lot of Watford Football Club matches. Neil McBain Sometimes you don't realise you're in love with someone until you're with the wrong person. That's what happened with me and Watford. I played for Watford for three seasons and I was manager for eight. I loved it until they dumped me. Then I went and managed them from up the road. I know, I know, I shouldn't have done it. But looking back, maybe it was a subconscious thing. Maybe I was hurt and I went off with Watford's great rival because I was trying to make Watford want me back. That's a thing you do when you're in love. Whatever. I definitely knew it was Watford I was in love with when I got to Bedfordshire. Ach, what a filthy, disgusting club Luton are. What? No, I'm not just saying that. Ach, why does no one ever believe me? Anyway, I remember the moment. I was sitting in my grotty little office underneath the main stand at the kennel. It was just a chair and a small desk with a drawer that wasn't even big enough for a bottle of whisky. But suddenly, the most amazing feeling came over me. I realised how happy I was when I was at Watford. How happy Watford made me. And how much I really cared about them. What? It's true. For God's sake, I came back to Watford twenty years later, didn't I? Ach, why can no one ever let it lie? Ray Barnaby It happened in 1950 for me. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was six and my mum had just died. I was scared. My dad hadn't come back from the war and I didn't know who was going to be looking after me. My nan wanted me to live with her, but her house wasn't in Watford. She lived up north, miles away. Miles away from everything and everyone I knew. I had a best friend at school, Victor. His family was really kind to me. I wasn't into football, but they were. 
and Watford were playing Manchester United in the Cup. Fourth round it was, at the end of January. Victor's dad got me a ticket, so I went with them to the game. I didn't know what to expect at all. When we got there, it was terrifying. The Vicarage Road end was rammed. I couldn't see a thing. I was sure I was going to get separated from Victor and his dad and end up lost and abandoned. It was my worst nightmare. But then Victor's dad reached down and lifted me up. He passed me over the heads of a couple of men at the back of the crowd. Then he did the same with Victor. The men passed us on over the heads of the men in front of them and the next men passed us forward too. At first I wasn't sure what was happening but all these men seemed to know what they were doing. Then I realised these days you might call it crowd surfing. Victor and I were being crowd surfed over the Vicarage Road crowd down to where we'd be out of harm's way and get the best view. We looked at each other and grinned. I wasn't scared. I felt like I was in completely safe hands. All these strangers were taking care of me. That afternoon, I got to watch Watford play Manchester United from right next to the pitch, inside the railings. It was amazing. But the main thing was that I felt secure. I felt I was with people who'd look after me if something went wrong. It was a moment that changed my life. I don't know if I fell in love or felt loved. After that, I did go and live with my nan up north, miles away. But Watford were my team now, forever. I came back to the town nearly 20 years later and never left. Ever since I was six, Watford Football Club has felt like family to me. Daisy Meriden I don't remember falling in love with Watford Babes. Not at all. But that's only because I was so young when it happened. I got given a Harry Hornet cuddly toy, you see, when I was really little, like just a baby. And according to my mum and dad, it was love at first sight. I used to fall asleep in my cot cuddling him. Then, when I was in my car seat, I'd cling on to him really tight. We went everywhere together. When I was in my high chair, when mum and dad wanted me to eat, I wouldn't let go of him. Once I was in love with Harry Hornet in his little yellow shirt that wouldn't come off, I was in love with Watford, wasn't I? That was it. The deal was sealed. Actually, do you know, babes, in Italy, there's a club that sends tiny replica shirts to all the newborn babes in the local area. Atalanta. Watford should do the same with Harry Hornet cuddly toys. Catch them young is what the marketing people say. Work for me. Derek Garston. There's a saying, isn't there, sir? Absence makes the heart grow fonder, sir. And there was a time during the First World War, sir, when Watford Football Club was completely absent from our lives. Watford ceased trading in April 1917 and didn't play again for two years, sir. 
until April 1919, sir. I lived through those two years, sir, and I really missed the club, especially when life was so difficult in so many other ways. After my dad had been killed at the Somme and everything, sir, for those two years, sir, I could have done with my beloved Watford FC at my side, sir. But I'll never forget the day I was reunited with Watford, sir. It was Saturday, April the 12th, 1919, sir. It was wonderful. It's hard to describe exactly how I felt when I saw Skilly Williams trotting out onto the pitch at Cassio Road again, sir. And good old Charlie White again too, sir. I don't mind admitting. <laughs> I blubbed, sir. And then it got even better, sir. Good old Charlie White scored a hat-trick, sir, and we won 6-2, sir, against the filthy Hatters, sir. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. The Hatters, sir, against the filthy, filthy Hatters. Uh, yes, all right, Derek, just carry on. Sorry, sorry, sir. It was the happiest reunion ever, sir. And since then, sir, Watford have always been there for me. Thanks to Hornet Heaven, sir. We'll never be parted again. Ronald Larson I don't know exactly when I fell in love with Watford. Reckon I can get it down to one of three occasions. First, there was a Sunday in the 1970s. I was living in New York, and I saw the sports pages were carrying the soccer tables from all four English divisions. I'd heard of teams like Liverpool and Manchester United, but down in the third division, I saw a team called Watford. Well, I was born in a small town in North Dakota called Watford City, so the name matched my hometown. After that, every Sunday, I'd tear open the newspaper to find out Watford's score. Then, in the fall of 1984, I was over in England for the first time for a flying visit on business. I was in a cab, and the driver had the radio on. There were live reports from a match in Eastern Europe. You could hardly hear the reporter for the noise in the stadium, all the whistling. It sounded so hostile. But the guy was saying the English team had just gone 3-1 up and I realized he was talking about Watford, my team, winning against the odds in Bulgaria. I decided there and then I simply had to take in a live game one day, so I waited for life to take me back to England, but it never did, for decades. And then Watford got to the cup final. If I didn't get myself along to that, I thought, was I ever going to watch them? So I jumped on a plane. Well, you know the story. Manchester City did what Manchester City does. They did awesome Manchester City things. But what mattered was that I was seeing my team. Luther Blissett was on the pitch before the game. Troy Deeney was our captain. It was amazing. I was in the middle of 30,000 Watford fans and when we all lifted our flags and waved them, even when the team was six goals down, I thought, these are my people. And now, here I am, in Hornet heaven. So I must have fallen in love with Watford on one of those occasions, and I can call myself a local now. 
But best of all, I'm with my people. Laurent uh, Leclerc. Oh, I do hope I've said that right. I am French, so I do not understand the question. Not because I do not understand the language. I was living in Watford for 30 years before I died. But because to a Frenchman, to fall in love is romantic love. L'amour. And to have romantic love with a football club is not possible. Certainly, a football fan may feel a strong affection, and a football fan may become preoccupied or obsessed, but l'amour? Would you take a football club out for dinner? Would you bring a red rose? If it was l'amour, the 1881 movement in the rookery would be whispering sweet nothings in the ear of the club. They would not be shouting, since I was young. I do not accept the concept. Terry Atkinson I used to fall in love every time I went to the Vic. I mean, what's not to love about the place? On the way to the game, you'd always see a polystyrene tray of chips that someone had dropped. There'd be piles of dung in the road from the police horses... A fat man would stagger out of the Red Lion, check his pockets for his ticket and go back in. It was all beautiful. You'd walk down Occupation Road and you'd see Sailor, always, and you'd never know what he actually did at the club. There would be puddles in the potholes, even if it hadn't rained. It all felt right. In the rookery, you had to stand on tiptoe to see over the bloke in front, however tall you were. If Watford went close, there'd be a surge of bodies and you wouldn't know if you were going to be able to breathe again. And when you were singing, you'd lean back and aim your voice at the tin roof that was stupidly high above your head and you'd feel you could hear every single voice bouncing back down off it. It was brilliant. Want to know the secret of our relationship? I took Vicarage Road as it was and it took me as I was. We were completely honest with each other. We were made for each other. The Alderman, Ralph Thorpe. I don't know why you're asking me. I'm not in love. So don't forget it. It's just a silly phase I'm going through. Why are you all giggling? Look, I was always a man of great seriousness, a man of thought and action. My initial involvement with Watford Football Club in 1903 was purely strategic. My aim, as chairman of the Watford Urban District Council and future mayor, was simply to enhance the town's reputation. The club had just been relegated to Division 2 of the Southern League, and I said to the committee, Get a good team together and win your way back to Division 1, and I will see to the wherewithal. It was a financial transaction. There was no emotion involved. I must admit, of course, that it did go pleasingly well. The objective was achieved immediately. I appointed our first ever manager, Johnny Allgood, 
and he created a team that won us promotion by going undefeated. Invincible. What? Yes, that's true. I did keep a team picture on my wall. It hid a nasty stain that was lying there. Look, let's stick to the facts. I wasn't a fan. I was a community-minded businessman who helped transform the town we call home from a single street in the 1880s into a borough with a royal charter in 1922. If you saw me shed a tear when our football club joined the Football League and when we opened a brand new ground at Vicarage Road, it can only have been because I had something in my eye. What? What about 1960 and Cliff Houghton? Well, yes. On the occasion of our first ever Football League promotion, you probably did see me enfold Henry Grover in my mayoral robes with a very big hug, but it was a solemn, restrained gesture. And in 1983, when we discovered we'd finished as runners-up in the whole of English football and I climbed onto the roof of the main stand and whirled my mayoral chain of office around my head, it wasn't an emotional outpouring. I was, um, um, signalling something to someone. And in 2019, when I skipped across the pitch at Wembley after we'd beaten Wolves in the FA Cup semi-final and I planted a kiss on Javi Grazia's forehead, it was... Um, it was because I, I, I... It was... I... Look, as I said before, being in Hornet Heaven is just a silly phase I'm going through. I'm not in love. No, no. Jack Renshaw and Ted Clark. When did I fall in love with the club? Well, I remember the moment we knew we'd fallen in love with each other. I'm sure you do too, Jack. Of course I do. 1964. We'd lost at Luton. You were upset, Ted. We kissed in my Austin 1800. But I guess I must have fallen in love with the club at some point. Wait, I thought I was your one true love. You are. Falling in love with a football club is different from falling in love with a human being. I know. I was joking, Ted. Oh, OK, good. Although, to be fair, though, the whole thing's quite difficult to untangle. Watford Football Club became my partner for life, my partner for eternity, and so did you. We stood on the terraces together for years, didn't we, Jack? So it's probably fair to say that we fell in love with each other and the club at the same time. I suppose so. It's like there's always been a third person in a relationship, in a good way. Or more than just three of us, maybe. Perhaps there's been 50,000 people in the relationship. Everyone else who's been in love with Watford at the same time. Wait, you've been seeing 50,000 other people behind my back? No, I... Only joking, Ted. Oh, OK, good. Although, I'm not going to lie, when you fall in love with a football club... You do fall in love with everything about it. And that includes other people like players and managers and the people around you in the stands. As a whole, I mean, not individually. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. You develop a sort of fellow feeling with other Watford fans, don't you? And that's a kind of love, you could probably say. 
a love by another name. Right, so it's you who's in love with 50,000 other people. No, I... Only joking, Jack. Oh, OK. Good. Our former chief steward, Lamper. Fall in love? Me? You having a laugh? I'll tell you the moment that made me Watford for life. At Millwall, it was. Down at the old den. Must have been about 1972. They was always proper mental, the Millwall. They was chucking coins and everything. I was crapping myself. Suddenly, though, we score. Colin Franks or someone, and a geezer with a Watford scarf on his wrist, jumps the wall in front of us. He runs straight onto the pitch. He slips over and a Rosa nearly grabs him. But he bounces straight back up and starts running again. And he runs along in front of the Millwall, cupping his ear at him. Then he sees another Rosa coming. So he dodges him, he gives the Millwall a tosser sign, and he jumps over the wall into another section. Ha! That was it. That geezer was suddenly my hero. And I spent the rest of my life trying to emulate him. You want some? Yes, uh, come uh, on then. Lamper, Lamper, that's it. Come and get it if you want it. All right, thank you, thank you. <sighs> and finally, to conclude, Henry Grover again. Really? Bill old Poppet? Are you sure a repressed Victorian gentleman is the best person to sum up about falling in love? You're the father of the club, Henry. The founder. You must have a few words of wisdom for us. Well, I suppose I can try. Because love is definitely something you can feel for a football club. Love is an intense, deep affection. Love is care. Love is passion. These are feelings that we all have for Watford. And it's important to recognise that love comes in many different shapes and sizes and colours. Especially red, I might add, Billow thing when it comes to shorts. <laughs> Nobody can tell anyone else that their form of love is wrong, unless, of course, that love is for black shorts, Bill old Poppet. <laughs> yes. And in a community like ours, love isn't just a nice-to-have. It plays a vital role. When we all share the same love for our club, we stay committed to each other. But it's not always easy. Love is happiness and excitement, isn't it? But it's also jealousy and stress. So we must understand within our community of Watford fans how to love. To love, you must show appreciation. To love, you must be kind. To love, you must show that you care. But to love, you must also be open and honest. To love, you must be willing to be vulnerable. To love, you must be able to acknowledge your own mistakes and apologize. And, vitally, to love, you must be willing to forgive the mistakes of others, who, uh, from time to time you should note, bin old thing, may include goalkeepers and sporting directors, random big mouths on Twitter, or even the Hornet Heaven Head of Programs. <laughs> I jest, old thing. I jest. To truly love, your love must be unconditional. And if I may leave you with one last thought, it is this. 
All these stories about falling in love with Watford are not just a marvellous reflection on this club of ours, they're a marvellous reflection on ourselves as Watford fans. You see, anyone can love a glamorous and successful club, but it takes more to love Watford. As someone once said, it's ordinary to love the beautiful, but it's beautiful to love the ordinary. I love Watford, especially when wearing red shorts. Come on, you horns! The End Falling in Love was written and produced by Ollie Wickham. It was read by Colin Mace. For more information on the Hornet Heaven stories, please visit hornetheaven.com. Thank you for listening.